There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yes, yes. Welcome in to the final unofficial postgame show. I'm Tim McKernan, and we're talking it over tonight following the Cardinals season coming to a disappointing end in a four-game sweep to the Washington Nationals. They never had the lead, and it truly is reminiscent of the 2004 World Series. We welcome you on Twitter, following on YouTube, on the Inside STL channel, and on the Tim McKernan Show page on Facebook and the TMA fan page on Facebook to put your questions, comments, whatever, vent. It's fine with me. Uh, take it out on me. I'm, that's what I'm here for. Um, with your comments, your questions throughout the the, pro, the, uh, the evening here as we'll do uh, um, the final unofficial postgame show. So um, I didn't expect it, but we got a bit of a sweat. Didn't expect that at all. I, I, when, they, when they were down 7 nothing. Um, I was kicking myself for not betting my entire bankroll on the Nationals. What I was going to do is bet the Nationals got to minus 170. So for uh, sports gambling uh, novices, that means you'd have to bet 170 to win $100. So it wasn't really a profitable scenario there. I mean, I realize you can go, well, they won, so it would have been. But I'm talking about you're basically getting close to 2 to 1 on your money. Or 1 to 2 on your money, I should say. Uh, and then, uh, and then you're then then you could also look at the Nationals minus one and a half, and that was playing initially plus one thirty five. It dropped down to plus one twenty, and I'm like, man, how could I be duped into thinking they might have a chance tonight? Um, they essentially were beaten last night, and uh, and I was kind of I was honestly I was kind of disappointed on it because the thing for those of you who watched last night that I kind of focused on. And I saw Ben Fredrickson brought up in his column this morning in the Post-Dispatch and online at stltoday.com was the, uh, the play with Yadier Molina kind of casually chasing down a pass ball slash wild pitch early on in the game last night. And I thought, man, if he's doing that and Flaherty's shoulders are slumping, that just isn't what you would expect from those guys. So when it got to 7 to nothing tonight, I'm just like, man, this is something you know, outside of the offense, which they're going to have to address in the offseason, um, they're going to have to address the team just kind of cashing in the chips in the offseason. So I would have never guessed, never, never. I mean, the line the line was out at minus 7.5. The Nationals got to minus $10,000 to $100 uh, that the Cardinals would come back like that. Never would have guessed it. Uh, never would have guessed that they would have rolled over like that in the first inning but never would have guessed that they would have come back like that. Um, so it, from that standpoint, I'm incredibly surprised. From the Nationals winning, I'm not surprised. But I thought going in, I thought this is the lineup I wanted to see out there last night. I would have put a Rosarina in there last night. Bader against a lefty, I get it. Um, I like moving DeYoung up. Um, I like Edmund at the top of the order. Jose Martinez at the top of the order. I just wish that would have happened last night. Now, would it have changed things? I don't know. I mean, of course, it would have been great to see this at the beginning, but that's that's super results-oriented uh, because why would you mess with the lineup coming off the 10-run inning in Atlanta? Um, they were boxed in, losing the first two games. Um, you know, I, the people I was with at the game on Saturday said, how long do you think the series is going to go? I said the Cardinals will be back and done by by the time the off day rolls around next week. Um, but then I thought that Mike Schilt might make drastic changes to the lineup going into game three. And then we had Derek uh, Gould on. I guess we had him on this morning, but I was reading his reporting um, and, uh, and, uh, and the cat on and, and Chris Raby on, and they were all like, no, I mean, if there's going to be any change, it's going to be Jose Martinez, and that's it. And I just felt like you had to make more than that. You saw him make more than that tonight, and, uh, and you saw positive effects. Strategically... I mean, if there's stuff people want to discuss, I'm always for it. I love discussing strategy. If anything, had the Cardinals won that game, Dave Martinez, I mean, you saw how tight Dave Martinez was there. For a guy up 3-0 and up 7-4, I mean, he boxed his team in. I couldn't believe Corbin was still out there. 
um, when the Cardinals were making their comeback. And at the same time, the only thing more unbelievable than Corbin being out there is Marcelo Zuna's approach with the three balls in the dirt. I guess he was just going, okay, I'm just going to try and guess on a fastball and launch it. Uh, and Corbin is like, you're not going to see a fastball. And he was just digging in the dirt. And the third pitch was horrifying. Uh, Goldschmidt had opportunities, disappointing. Um, and honestly, you know, it's weird. When I was watching the Blues, even when they were down, what was it? Well, I think they were down 2 nothing in the third period in Winnipeg in Game 5. Um, I recall thinking, and I might have even said it to my wife, uh, I don't know why, but I'm not nervous because I know they're going to win the Stanley Cup. It, and it's this weird thing, and if you listen to the radio show or the podcast, you've heard us talk about it. With this, I was watching Carpenter. I'm like, this is a textbook Cardinal comeback moment. It's a textbook Washington Nationals collapse moment. But I just never felt it. And he got a fastball. Um, and what did he do? He pulled it. I mean, that's what he does. That's really been the essence of his decline. And uh, and couldn't get it in the air. And that wrapped that up for the sweat. It was, it, was, it was a nice little reminder of what it's like to experience the adrenaline of postseason baseball that we really hadn't experienced, honestly, since game four against the Braves. Other than that, there really wasn't a sweat throughout this series. I mean, you could con yourself into saying, okay, the Cardinals are about to come back, but never was there really a sweat at all, and there wasn't a sweat in game five of the NLDS. So it's been more than a week, even though if you look back on it, <laughs> six days ago, um, or a week ago, I should say, a week ago, Tuesday night, we're all getting ready for game five against the Braves. And if you would have said the Cardinals are going to win that thing by a blowout, and you would have said, and then the NLCS will be over, you would have gone, God, I guess the Dodgers went through them like a buzzsaw. Well, it wound up being the Nationals. And the Nationals have now won, what, 17 of their last 19, and they'll be able to rest up their starters and order them however they want to for the Astros or the Yankees. With regard to the Cardinals, um, who did we see the last of tonight wearing, my preference, the Navy caps, but the, uh, the birds on the bat? Uh, I would bet that's the end of seeing Dexter Fowler in St. Louis. I would bet that's the end of seeing Marcelo Zuna in St. Louis. Um... Derek Gould this morning said Carlos Martinez is a 50-50 play. I wonder about the possibility of them trading him for offense, but I don't know, as Derek said this morning, something I wonder about too, if he would be viewed as a, uh, as a declining asset, and so the offense they would get in return may not be that favorable relative for having that contract for what it is as a starter if they plan on using him as a starter or have they gone tired, grown tired of uh, Carlos Martinez. So with all of that said... Um, you know, I don't know. With with regard to the overall series, it's disappointing because uh, I actually don't think uh, the two teams are as far apart as a four-game sweep in which you don't have a lead is. It is a case of, you know, something we've seen the Cardinals do to teams before. It's just this time the Cardinals were on the wrist. Like, I mean, were the Cardinals, you know, that much better than the Detroit Tigers in 2006? No, I think most people probably tell you the Tigers were better than the Cardinals. But things can happen, wrong time, or as the case might be, right time. But when the Nationals needed to make plays, they made them, and so often the Cardinals did not make plays. And the thing that I think, I, I probably won't remember a damn thing about this series, honestly. <laughs> I mean, they're just, it was so immemorable, and uh, I mean, I, I, hell, I was at the game on Saturday, I was kind of bored, um, much less these two things the last couple of nights, uh, would just be really terrible approaches at the plate and you know something that kind of flies under the radar um, is the Cardinals revolving door at hitting coach and you know John Mabry caught a lot of hell when Mike Matheny was here and I think that was more because he was Mike Matheny's friend people thought he was protected well the approaches of the Cardinal hitters for the most part in this series were horrendous horrendous and um, that's something that you can't help but look in the mirror in the offseason. In addition to, you have to add offense. The question is, where can you add offense? And that's going to require probably saying goodbye to Marcelo Zuna, I would imagine. But then also um, having to make some trades to clear some room and eating some cash. They're going to have to do that. That's just There's no other way around it. You can't waste the caliber of starting pitching they have with this offense. And they have some questions by the way, with Paul DeYoung. That's, a, that's something that isn't going to go away because he isn't going anywhere. At least I'd be shocked when we put it that way if he's going anywhere. So with that said, I've been babbling on long enough. 
Uh, and uh, I'm sure people have, I, well, people have a million questions, so let me, uh, let me go into them. I'll start on YouTube and I'll start on Periscope and then I'll go into it. Uh, we cold got swept, baby. That's from Vince Mazzola. Vince, thank you for watching. You are correct, sir. What happened to hitting the ball where it is pitched? I don't understand how professionals can't learn to take a pitch the other way instead of rolling over if it's not in their sweet spot. You may be talking about Matt Carpenter there. Um, how do we find a taker for Carpenter or Fowler? I would imagine the Fowler one will be easier, but the Cardinals will be in a Mike Leak spot where they are eating a good portion of it. Uh, let's see. That is from uh, Michael David. D. Hudson 40 on Twitter. Cards at least gave them a sweat tonight. Bottom line, the moment was too big for Hudson. Yeah, you know, I didn't talk about that part of it. Um, this is something that I wondered about. Um, and again, I, I don't know how many of you watching listen the morning after, and then even if you do, you know, listen to every single minute of the show. But something I was really wondering about with regard to the Cardinals starting rotation in Atlanta and why they set it up the way they did was did they think that in the one time that Dakota Hudson had a road start in a huge game, Wrigley Field on that Saturday afternoon in Chicago, and if you remember, he couldn't find the plate. Couldn't get guys out, couldn't find the plate. Now, to his credit, he did shape up, and he did, I think, it through four innings. Uh, actually outlasted Jose Quintana in that start, I think. Um, and so that was one of the issues going into this thing tonight. The thing is, you know he has talent. I just didn't know about that, and yeah, I mean, that's a tough, that's a tough lesson. At the same time, it is a lesson. He's not going anywhere either. At least I wouldn't expect it. And so, um, you know, I mean, I, I didn't. You know, I mean, how many of us were watching this tonight going, oh, I hope the Cardinals can rattle off four straight. I mean, realistically, it wasn't it wasn't happening based on who was in the rotation and you still had to face them. Uh, even if you wanted to con yourself into thinking they could take it back to St. Louis, you still had Max Scherzer and Steven Strasburg. It would have been a hell of a story. It was fun to at least see Nationals fans and the Nationals have to get a little tight for a moment. But it just I just never thought it was going to happen realistically, uh, much less winning all four. So, you know, Dakota Hudson, uh, he had to pitch on the road. I liked what the Cardinals did with Michaelis Wainwright. And, um, you know, I don't, he wouldn't even have been on, uh, I guess he could have been on full rest for Saturday's game, if I'm not mistaken, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, he could have been. Um, but I liked Wainwright in that start. I have no problem with that. There's the just obviously an incredibly disappointing performance. Do any of the other starters do that? Probably not. Um, but... You know, again, I think for most Cardinal fans, they're kind of like, oh, kind of. We've seen this before. You've seen it before. I said this to Derek Gould on the show this morning. We've seen these games where the Cardinals are on the verge of elimination after disappointing performances, and you just kind of know what's coming. I, I thought of 2013 in Boston in Game Six, 2012 in San Francisco in Game Seven, um, 2002 in San Francisco, 2000 uh, in New York, you kind of like, yeah, if they can just win, they can get this thing back to St. Louis. But deep down, you know, it's it's not happening. Um, so that's why I'm saying it was just, it was a it was a pleasant surprise to get the sweat. Um, and from my standpoint, uh, even it, you know, even now being in my 40s, I still, I mean, my God, I was so emotionally leveraged with the Blues thing this year. I didn't know how the hell I would handle it if they would have lost Game Seven. With this, to me anyway, the sweeps are kind of painless, relatively speaking. Now, if this were the 2004 Cardinals and they were firing on all cylinders uh, and they get swept, it's a different story in the NLCS. In this case, I think most people would say, yeah, the Nationals probably were a better team, although not this much of a better team, and the Cardinals just played horribly. And, uh, and the Nationals deserve to win, and you just, you know, it's, it's a hell of a lot easier, at least in my mind it is, when you go, well, this wasn't a Cardinal team that I necessarily thought was one of the top five teams of the 10 teams in baseball's postseason this year. I certainly didn't think that. They still got to the final four spots, but, um, you know. But the thing that I brought up last night at the end of the unofficial postgame show, and it's kind of a weird spot, but I think it's a good thing, even though it might feel worse, I think it's a good thing that the Cardinals got their asses kicked as badly as they did in a four-game sweep as opposed to had they lost last week like 5-4 to four in Game 5 to the Braves. Because it highlights and puts under the microscope for the organization and the fan base how big of an issue they have with their offense. And I'm not saying it's going to lead to ridiculous changes, but I think it increases the probability 
that you will see changes. Had they had they lost last week in Atlanta five to four, or three to two, or four to three, whatever, something where they don't lose like one nothing, um, I think it's a different situation. This was so bad that they can't help but have the fan base all over them. And one of those things that I also tend to get people get upset, I guess, with me or whatever, because it's, just, it's I can't I can't agree with the premise as well. Now will the Cardinals finally do something in the offseason? And I'm like, well, they did. They got Marcelo Zuna two offseasons ago. They got Paul Goldschmidt last offseason. So this thing with not doing the, and Andrew Miller, whether one likes it or not, uh, and held three years ago, Dexter Fowler, which I wasn't on board with, uh, the contract anyway, um, but they have gone out and gotten players. It's just uh, people are, there's like this thing in St. Louis that Bill DeWitt's just like hoarding money. And, uh, and the evidence is to the contrary with regard to their activity in the off seasons here over the last three years. I think they will be aggressive this year. I think the thing that's going to be interesting, though, is to see who is subtracted uh, in addition to who is added. Last year, you just looked at, okay, there's a surplus of pitching talent, and to only have to part ways with Luke Weaver to get Paul Goldschmidt, is, it felt like a huge win in addition to Carson Kelly. This year, I don't know how you can add offense without subtracting some mainstays. And the, those two names at the top of the list are Carpenter and Dexter Fowler. Will they trade both of them? Uh, I think Dexter Fowler will be gone. I don't think you'll see Dexter Fowler again. I don't think you'll see Marcelo Zuna again. Um, again, I'm not saying any of these with absolutes, so let me make that clear. But uh, I said today on the radio show, I'd say Ozuna coming back is at 30%. Might have dropped a little bit tonight <laughs> if we're going to get caught up in prisoner of the moment, but I'd say 30%. And uh, Fowler, you know, I, I think that's I think it's 60-40 that he's gone. Um, the Carpenter thing, I'm not I'm not sure on that one. Uh, both Derek and I are of the opinion that that is less likely to happen. But if they trade Fowler and, and Ozuna leaves, uh, at that point there are more spaces. All right, my God, we have a lot of questions and comments. Um, bring Wayno back for one more year. That's from Sean Renth. Uh, I would agree that he will come back. Uh, perfect that Carp blew the eighth inning microcosm of the season. That's from Joseph Lalor or Lalor. I hope I'm not mispronouncing that. Um, hopefully Bill DeWitt agrees with you. That's from Putty Chains on Twitter. Uh, does them focusing on improving the offense in the offseason include playing Carpenter in left field? Yeah, some of you might have heard that today on the show, on the radio show, um, or read in Derek Gould's chat, Matt Carpenter in left field. There's something that he thinks they would consider, which it's like, oh, the Cardinals just got swept, and I'm watching Tim on the unofficial postgame show from his basement. Oh, and he just told me that the Cardinals are looking at Matt Carpenter in left field. Yes, that is something that Derek believes to be a possibility. So, yes, there is the final kick in the midsection for you. Uh, most contracts and extensions have been laughable. The Matt Carpenter extension, um, I don't know. I, like, I didn't like the Fowler one. I got what it was about. It was actually about a guy who beat the Cardinals. Uh, it was Adam Eaton. They wanted Adam Eaton. Nationals overpaid for him. They got him. Cardinals overreacted and overpaid for Dexter Fowler who wasn't dying to move to St. Louis. Um, so hence the five-year deal, because the other cities, which I think were San Francisco and Toronto, uh, were four-year deals. Don't quote me on that. But uh, that that's that. Brett Cecil's, you know, Mount Rushmore material. Um, but yeah, what was the Carpenter extension for? I mean, what was that for? God bless America. What was that about? I get the free agent ones, or I get the trades. I might disagree with them. But what was the point of the Carpenter one? Um, Carpenter should be told he has to change his hitting approach or he's got to go. Well, he's got a contract. Um, so, yeah, Corn Lungust, yes, I'm dead serious about the Carpenter thing. Um, Bader will hit 200 next year. He can't be counted out. That's from uh, Rui Tehran. Uh, I uh, would agree with you. I don't think that they are counting on him. All right, let me go into uh, all the Facebook comments because they're, they're separated, and I'll try to... Uh, Astros versus Nationals. Could you imagine the pitching matchups if that happens? Yeah, and uh, it's certainly, I mean, at this point now, in order for the Yankees to get past the Astros, they're going to have to beat Verlander or Cole at some point. So, you know, it, it certainly looks like that's the direction it's going. I really want to see the Cardinals play the Yankees at some point. I don't know if I'll ever get my wish. Uh, it, yeah, I suppose it was close in 96 and 2004. It theoretically could have happened in some semifinals, some LCSs and 2000 and 2019, and maybe I'm missing another one. LDS Cardinals were there in 2009 with a really good team, a team that I think could have beaten the Yankees actually in the World Series. 
Um, but, uh, you know, Nationals and Astros. I, I, I might be on the radio actually saying my pick is the Nationals and Astros in the World Series. The Astros seem like an obvious one. The Nationals, you know, we, Doug and I were talking about this on the radio show this morning. How many times am I going to say on the radio show this morning? But it's what's on my mind. Um, people were saying, yeah, the Blues are like the Cardinals. Uh, or the Cardinals are like the Blues. And I'm like, no, it's the Nationals who are like the Blues. The Nationals were bad at the start of the season, and then they went on a heater. That's who it is. So this is a team playing really, really well. I still, I still look at their lineup, and I'm just not sold. I'm just not, I'm just not sold that they're going to be able to get through uh, the Verlander Cole machine. Um, as great as Scherzer and Strasburg are, um, I still would take the Astros. But um, I mean, what the Nationals did and what they uh, did in dominating fashion of the Cardinals, you can't help but respect. The thing that I would observe. Is the same thing that we were talking about when the Blues went six and the Bruins swept the Hurricanes, uh, and that and that and, and what happened with the Tigers after they swept the A's in 2006, and the Cardinals had to go seven with the Mets. The numbers back that when teams have to sit out for a week, which is what the Nationals will do, they will not play a game for a week. The World Series starts on Tuesday in New York or Houston, a week from tonight. It, it, I mean, the momentum the Nationals have right now, the last thing they want to do is wait a week. So from that standpoint, that also adds to my reason to uh, to take most likely the Astros unless somehow the Yankees can can escape. But at this point, the Yankees, no matter what, have to go back to, uh, to Houston. Uh, let's see. I get so many comments. Uh, welcome to the 2020 Cardinals, Anthony Rendon. I would absolutely love it. I don't know how likely it is, but I would love it. Once again, as always, that's a nice backsplash. Thank you so much. Tim, um, I lost the comment. I'm sorry. Uh, we made the NLCS. It was a fun season. Yeah, I mean, I you know, like I said, there are, there are years. 2009 is one that I'm sure people are like, dude, why do you always bring up 2009? I'm like, that's the only year that you had Adam Wainwright and Chris Carpenter totally healthy, and both in the top three in the Cy Young. You had Albert Pujols. You had Matt Holiday. Uh, Ryan Ludwig actually was a big source of offense at that time. That was a great team. The issue they had there was a potential closer situation. And uh, I think that team could have done major damage. Um, so them getting swept by the Dodgers to me was way more disappointing than this team getting swept in the NLCS because I felt like that team was a world championship contender. This team, I'm like, ah, wow, they beat the Braves. You know, I can't believe it. Um, so... From that, from that perspective, that's why this one, yeah, I mean, listen, if you would have told me at the start of the first time, you told me at the start of the year, the Blues are going to the Stanley Cup, I'm like, okay, whatever, from that point forward. You know, they just, you know, this isn't, this isn't surprising. Sometimes things can happen in a postseason like 2006, and it catches you absolutely off guard for a positive. Sometimes things happen in a postseason uh, that go the other way. 2009 would be an example. Losing to Barry Zito up 3-1 to one with a chance to go to your second straight World Series would be an example. So in this case, get swept, sucks, really didn't get the thrill of, of a postseason, you know, battle in an NLCS at all. Um, the Cardinals are now, let's do some math on this thing here. The Cardinals are now 1-8 in their last nine NLCS games. There's a fun fact. You can tweet that out. Uh, yeah, so, you know, it's, it's <laughs> they don't feel advantage in both of them. By the way, uh, they won game two in 2014 and, and lost all three in San Francisco and, uh, and and lost two in Washington and two in St. Louis this week. Uh, despite everything that happened this season, there are several things I enjoyed. The pitching, base running, defense were a big turnaround. That's from Ryan Brummer. I agree with Ryan. Uh, let's see. Uh, does Carp have a no-trade clause? Yes. At the moment uh, that fly ball was caught, he has a no-trade clause now. Um, Tim, do you think the Cardinals will stop giving out extensions early? De Young, Cart, Martinez, all examples of them not paying dividends. I think it, I think you have to rein that in. Now, there is one big name out there, though, that you're probably going, well, hold on, what about him? The guy who just turned 24 today, Jack Flaherty. Um, they've done this, they did it, you know, God, a long time ago, back when I was doing television. Um... And it worked for him. And then it started not to work with Jaime Garcia. Actually, I don't even know if I rattled off that name in there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're, they're boxed in. I, and the Carpenter one is actually the one that's startling to me. 
Uh, let's see. I want to keep going on. Uh, is that a Drinkworks back there? Yes, it is. What an astute observation. Well done. We just got this thing. I'm going to uh, start doing spots for them on, uh, on TMA. And I should, I should if, I had, uh, if I had some uh, anybody else here, I could call Anna Marie uh, down here. Um, but you put a pot. Let me see. If, can you even see it? Oh, see, here. You put a pot in this thing, like just a little pot. It's like a Keurig. And then it makes any kind of booze you want. Like the like whatever it is, I'm doing a live read here for it. So anyway, initially I'm like, okay, whatever, and then I set it up. I'm like, man, this thing is super easy to use. So there it is. And now I do have a sponsor on the unofficial post game show. You know, with regard, while I'm here, while I have a captive audience, uh, and I know most of you at this point are either really pissed off or just kind of like, oh, I'll watch Tim fuck around in his basement at night before I go to bed. Um, the unofficial post game show was the brainchild of the Cardinals and Braves game one being a tight game and a thrilling game. And I'm kind of like, well, Dan McLaughlin and I did the shows from my basement, so I know I can do them. And I'll just do a Facebook Live on the TMA fan page and set it up on one of these tripods we have from the show that McLaughlin and I did. And, uh, and we had a bunch of people tune in. And then Patrick Donnelly, who I want to thank, um, who is uh, a gentleman who worked with Dan and I on that show, um, loved the idea of doing it. There are a few people. I was, I've actually been DMing with some people tonight who loved the idea of these kinds of shows. Uh, and so people in, in the digital space um, who see this opportunity got really into it. And Patrick came over here and he set this whole thing up uh, so that we were able to put it on Twitter and not just on and on YouTube and not just on the TMA fan page, which which is private. So this is something you know, but it's it's right now. It's me with talking into my phone. Uh, so this and we're, we don't have sponsors or anything. So it's not like there's any revenue in. I'm doing it for free. Patrick, out of the kindness of heart, did it for free. Uh, but it's the kind of thing I like to do because I just like to bullshit with people after games, mainly because I like to ideally have a civil discussion on strategy. And maybe I'll come away going, yeah, you know, like, uh, for example, Lawrence Michael last Friday following game one talked about moving DeYoung up in the lineup, which was counterintuitive, but because he had the pitcher hitting behind him, he felt like that was encouraging the probability or encouraging the possibility of Nationals pitchers pitching him out of the zone, chasing those high fastballs, because if he didn't chase them, they just had to deal with the pitcher. And I'm like, man, I'm glad I have this postgame show that he's right on target. What did Mike Schilt do tonight? He moved Paul DeYoung up, granted it was few games too late, but he moved him up in the order. Um, I don't understand why, by the way, this is a totally, uh, as always, if you listen to my podcast or TMA, you know everything's ADD theater. Um, I don't know why Tommy Edmond got m moved. I just, I, to me, he's the guy outside of Martinez. Martinez hitting the ball as solidly as he did, I wouldn't have expected. I, not that I'm like blown away by it. He just had the best at bats throughout the series. Not that there was a lot of competition for it. Tommy Edmond, my God. Um, you know, he's just a guy that you, you know, you can count on. At least I felt like, you know, you can count on to put uh, good swings on the ball. And so him being down in the lineup, I just, I, I never got that. And I was happy to see it tonight, but I, you know, figured at that point it was probably over. Uh, Danny Kurth says, I had lunch with Michael Wellington today. He's so hot. I would agree. He's very, very hot. Uh, shout out to Donzi. That's from Joe Edwards. Yeah, Patrick Donnelly did this. Uh, he really did. And I'm grateful for it. Because I want to, I, you know, like I said, I want to keep doing these things. Um, you know, who knows? Ideally, Missouri and Georgia is a game that matters uh, in a big way. Missouri and Florida would matter. I like, I mean, it's so easy to do this stuff now, um, you know, and I can just go down to my basement and start talking with people. And then we put it up on the Tim McKernan Show podcast. So um, from my standpoint, it's, it's, I know, I think everybody kind of knows, if you don't, you're well behind, that this is the direction the business is going. Um, and then ideally, if we did have revenue, then I would bring uh, some, uh, you know, whether it be the Plowhawk or Iggy, um, you know, or additional people on board to help produce it behind the scenes and the Plowhawk and Iggy and whomever else to participate in the discussion. So as opposed to me just standing in my basement talking to a phone by myself. But I enjoy doing it. It's just in this case, there isn't a whole lot of strategy to talk about. I mean, there's like one moment from the entire series in game, because the lineup, whatever on that. And that was leaving Wainwright in in game two. But other than that, it's just like there wasn't that much strategically to go, you know, even in the Braves series that they won. There, there are many more moments there. What in the world is this? What in the world is that? But uh, this was, uh, they, just got, they just got stomped, so you don't even really think about it. I, I, whenever you look back on the 2019 NLCS, and I have no idea why you would, 
Uh, I don't think you'll be thinking about strategy like, oh my God, that's the one where the Cardinals couldn't hit the ball at all. Um, and ideally, it's the one that then led to the Cardinals doing something with the offense uh, in this offseason, which I would imagine will happen. Let's see. Uh, fuck strategy, talk tits. That's from Joe Edward. Um, let's see. The DH cannot get to the NL soon enough for this team. Someone please get Jose Martinez 600 at-bats. Yeah, I don't want to see the DH, but if they do have the DH, I would agree with you on Jose uh, Jose uh, Martinez. Uh, Ryan Brummer. Tim, you need to do a show a couple times a week with real legit sports or local events talk. The YouTube is cool. Currently watching on my TV. I've always wondered why local news doesn't do a sports show that is accessible via YouTube to podcast, if you will. Ryan, tip of the cap to you. If I had a uh, prize to give away, I would give it to you. That's exactly what I'm thinking. Um yeah, I love. I mean, I love doing this stuff. You know, we obviously there's talk about um, you know whether or not uh, we do a deal for for KFNS. Um, you know, there's all kinds of different you know scenarios with that, and um, and you know it's it's still going on. But from my standpoint, the thing that makes that potential move um, so intriguing for me and, and the people who would be involved with me on it is is that in, in 2019 you can do something like take a phone put it on a tripod tripod stand in my basement and and monetize the content and reach people um, couldn't do that 10 years ago uh, so it's not just a, a radio play and so I agree a lot of people talked about um, not a lot of people but it's something when I do the podcast and we have our guests every week uh, which we've put on hold while the Cardinals were in the playoffs, so we'll go back into it. I know we have uh, an interview with Lewis Reed, the president of the Board of Aldermen I've done, Skip Berkmeyer, one of the best amateur golfers in St. Louis history, and uh, Katie Cruz, uh, St. Louis radio legend, um, and also was on 1380 The Woman with Iggy, so you can imagine the story she tells on that. But um, people like the civic discussions and love when David Hunt of the Post-Dispatch is on the show. So, you know, you have Donnie Brook, of which I am a viewer every Thursday night, um, and maybe have something similar similar to that. But I love, I mean, there's so many different things. I My mind is always going. It's why I can stand here and talk for an hour, even though I'm not talking necessarily with anybody outside of you wonderful people. But that's the kind of stuff that I think of. So, Ryan, a tip of the cap to you. You're right on target. Those are the kinds of things I think about. This was just kind of a... Well, the Cardinals are in the playoffs. I've done it before, so I'll set this up. And then Patrick was kind enough to help set, set it up uh, to take it beyond just the TMA fan page. And so, you know, from a number standpoint, it's not like this shit's confidential. But uh, last night's uh, reached 422 people, and it's something that we barely promoted uh, outside of me tweeting about it and, uh, and talking about it on the fan page. And, uh, and we just wanted to make sure the technology would work and I could do it on my own and um, you know it's something that makes me want to want to do more of these things and we'll see what winds up happening with it um, but Ryan you're right on target because I, I just the one thing I like is to I, I bullshit whether it be bullshitting with guests interviewing or bullshitting with people whether it be Doug and the cat for 15 years and the plowhawk and Iggy and gangster Pete and everybody who's been on the show over the 15 years or being able to communicate with the audience and usually that's been initially via message boards then you go into the social media platforms. Now the TMA fan page, I love that. Um, but now I can do it video. And immediately after a game, when you know, you know, I don't know how many of you want to watch, and it's nothing against Gary Sheffield, um, but Gary Sheffield, Jimmy Rollins, Pedro Martinez, whomever, break down the game. You know, it's going to kind of be canned. Um, I think people want, you know, to hear people talk about the stuff they're talking about. So like after they beat the Braves, yeah, it was great they beat the Braves, but what became the story? Mike Schilt's speech. Well, that's if, hey, man, if I'm hosting, whether it be on TBS or on Fox Sports Midwest, that's a tough spot. Not because I'm calling the shots as the host, uh, but because the producers and the executives, that's a tough spot. How do you navigate that? Well, here it's me and my phone. I can say whatever the hell I think. Uh, and I like that. That's my, that's my personal preference. So I like being able to do that. I like that people are receptive to it. So anyway, uh, enough about that. But while I had people here... Uh, considering this is the final one of at least the uh, unofficial post-game show of the 2019 season, I wanted to make sure I thanked Patrick for doing all of this um, because he was over here two different times, I think, might have been three times, um, totally for free, just because he believes in it, and then setting up things that I could never do. So I appreciate that. Um, do you think the Cardinals from Joe Sheramatera would have been better off 
not making the playoffs and spending more money in the offseason, getting more talent, or was it a good experience for our young guys? Um, I don't think I don't think they're related. Um, I think it was great to get I, as bad as Dakota Hudson situation was tonight. I'm glad it happened. Odds are they weren't going to come back anyway. Uh, he's now got that experience. It wasn't pleasant. He has talent. There's no question about it. And again, as I was saying maybe about 10 minutes ago, um, Joe, uh, and I'm sure people are tuning in and tuning out, but um, the, the, the fact that the Cardinals lost in the manner that they did to the Nationals, I think is a positive. And I, listen, I don't want them to lose, but now that it's over, I think it's better than if they would have lost in, in Game 5 against the Braves uh, because this highlights the offensive issues that they have. And it also highlights how good their starting pitching is. So to get this kind of starting pitching, minus tonight's outing, in the postseason, and get swept and have a record of, what, 3-6, and six, and yet, minus tonight, you really got at least grade B starts. I know people might point to Flaherty's, but I think we all know Ozuna should have caught that ball, and that should have been ruled an error. If this were fantasy baseball, I'd be waiting for it to get overturned. Um, so I don't feel like Flaherty was terrible. He certainly wasn't as good as he normally is. But you got great starts, minus tonight. And you had a 33% winning percentage. Why? Because you not only couldn't hit, and you're not going to be able to something. I mean, hey, man, if you're going to tip your cap to the Cardinals when they play, well, you also have to, it goes the other way. you got to tip your cap to the Nationals, too. But it was the approaches in the at-bats that were horrific. God. I mean, Ozuna's thing tonight. Wow. What in the world? But obviously, he wasn't the only one. I mean, you know, Fowler stands out badly. Um... Carpenter last night, pinch hitting, ball not leaving his shoulders. Uh, those are brutal at bats. All right, let me go back into the uh, Jason Schicker. He's fired up. It's a fucking embarrassment what took place the last four games. Uh, Craig Williford, what incentive does Mo have to make a huge acquisition? The cards are competitive. That's what matters, not winning the World Series. Yeah, this is one of those things I just, it's just one of those things, and I think people know, I hope people know, um, that I have, uh, yeah, Cardinals were outscored 20-6 to six this series. Wow. Uh, and what, 67% of those runs came uh, tonight. Um, that They know, I think, that I am not tied to the organization uh, in any capacity, not that the organization is looking to tie itself to me. So you know I'm not going to give you something because I'm like, oh, I hope the Cardinals will like me, you know, and not fire me or something like that. Uh, I tell you what I think. And I'm just not, I, I believe the Cardinal strategy is to have every season be a season in which they are in the hunt. And whether people like it or not, and I know right now after getting swept is not the time people want to hear it, but, you know, I have to give my honest opinion when somebody asks the question. They've done that. And they've done it every year since 2000, even in like the shittiest year of 2007. And so what you find is then if you can get in your get yourself in that spot and then get into October, you give yourself a chance in what essentially becomes like an NCAA tournament. I mean, who's the best team in the National League? People are either going to say the Dodgers or the Nationals. Okay, one of them didn't get past the first round. Um, the Minnesota Twins had a ridiculous year. Barely scored a run themselves in the, uh, in the postseason. We're gone in three games. For as good as the Yankees and Astros are, one of them is also going to be in the same category as the Cardinals and losing in the league championship series. So I believe their philosophy is to make sure that they have a sustained competitive model, which is why, something I totally disagree with, they sat on prospects on the trade deadline and didn't acquire an above-average starting pitcher. Um, as it turns out, the starting pitching isn't what got them. It almost got them at the end of the year because the bullpen was worn out. It was the offense. But in fairness, I don't think many of us on July 31st were talking about the Cardinals going out and getting offense at that time. It was all about getting a starting pitcher. Um, now the focus is absolutely on offense. And if we can, if we can, and I realize now isn't the time to do it, and I recognize it, and I know I'm up on social media, so the you know, nature of the beast is, is people aren't necessarily in a, in a positive state of mind. But, you know, it's fine. I've been doing this for 20 years. I'm used to getting my ass ripped. Um... But if you do look at 2020, when you have the foundation they have in the rotation, that's exciting. That fires you up. What they have to do is tend to the offense. In addition to that, though, 
taking kind of a subcategory when we talk about the offense and knowing that there's going to have to be additions of players who are not on that roster right now. You also have a couple of guys who I don't know, even though you know they're here for a while, I don't know how excited you can be about them. And I'm not talking about Dexter Fowler and Matt Carpenter. I'm talking about Paul DeYoung and Paul Goldschmidt. So that's that's something where right now, understandably, people are like, oh, my God, two more years of Fowler, two more years of Carpenter. Why the extensions? Um, absolutely. Get it. I, I was with you on both of them before the ink was even dry on either one of those. Um, but Paul Goldschmidt, you know, it wasn't as good. Listen, it was, a, it was a good year, but a lot of people had great years. And I think you would like to see if you could get more out of that, and that's a little concerning. Some of these at-bats over the last couple of nights are concerning. Um, and hopefully that's not the beginning of a trend. And DeYoung was bad for a number of months, but it kind of, relatively speaking, flew under the radar until the postseason where it became very obvious as he was swinging and missing at high fastballs out of the zone. Uh, Yadier Molina, you know, is that the farewell tour next year? And... Um, and Tommy Edmond, what do you have with Tommy Edmond? I think it's outstanding, but is that something that might um, be exposed with uh, an everyday role? I don't know. It seems like it's an unfair thing to to wonder, but um, I know that's not a guy that the Cardinals are going, oh, and Tommy Edmond's in the pipeline. You know, I think it kind of surprised them as well. Um, let's see. Uh, I hate putting together a competitive. Let's put together a winning team. Everyone is competitive. Yeah, I just respectfully, I have to disagree with you. I don't, I don't think um, as far as year in, year out, any organization has had a better 20 seasons, 2000 through 2019, than the Cardinals. Year in and year out, any organization. I, I realize the Red Sox have won a billion world championships. Uh, the Yankees are the Yankees. But uh, year in and year out, I'm talking two. I mean, we've been to so many NLCSs here. The problem is they haven't played well in a lot of these NLCSs. Uh, what, they lost three of the first four, 2000 through 2005, I guess it was, yeah, uh, that they played in. And, uh, and had an opportunity to close one out in 2012. Absolutely mismanaged one in 2014 and had this debacle in 2019. They kill it in NLDSs. I would imagine if you have a, a, a minimum of five, the Cardinals have the best NLDS record. And this is just, I'm just guessing here, but this is based on memory. And uh, a minimum of five NLCSs since the, the wild card era, I would imagine the Cardinals have the worst winning percentage there. I'll throw that out there. We'll see. I don't know if somebody really wants to dig it up. Buck Swope, where are you? Let's see. Um, but anyway, my point in bringing that up for uh, the gentleman who, who brought that uh, BTH. C, this is when I try to read names off of Twitter and I just butcher them. I apologize, sir. Compe it's, it's, what do you mean by competitive? Is, is I'm asking the question because you said you don't want them to be competitive. You want them to be the best. I get it. But in, in baseball, as it's structured now, and it's different than what we had in 82, 85, and 87, where there's four teams if you win the division, if you get in, you have a shot. And that's what I believe the model is, is if they can win 90 to 93 games, they're likely to get a shot. And that, I believe, is the model. And while one may not like what happened in 16, 17, 18, look what happened in 9, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, and 19. And look what happened all the years before that. So I, I, get, I, guess, I guess people don't, I don't know. I, just, I, have to, I have to just respectfully disagree with, with that. I think the philosophy, I think the philosophy works, okay? Here's what I don't think has been working. The judgment of talent has been atrocious. The judgment of talent has been atrocious. I think the model is an A. The judgment of talent over the last five or six years has been really poor. And so the byproduct of that is the contracts that you have, that you're going, oh my God, look at this dead money, or trading away people, or acquiring people, or signing people who wind up being complete busts, or when they go somewhere else, they're productive. That, to me, is the issue. That's one that I'll, I'll be with everybody on that one, if that's where you are. If you want to talk about the Cardinals not caring about being competitive, I'm off. I'm, you know, and that they want to lease apartments. I mean, you know, I mean, these, you know, that's just not what's going on here. Um, but if people think it, you know, maybe, maybe you're right and I'm wrong, but I just, I'm coming from a place of disagreeing on that. The assessment of the talent, 
the contracts, the random contract extensions, I shouldn't say random, but the poor moves of the contract extensions, that has been poor. Uh, let's see what else. All right, I'll go back into Facebook and then we'll shut her down. Uh, Tim, I agree. The judgment of players has not been good since Luna left. That is coming from Matt Brown. Um, is that poor judgment of talent in line with the Astros drama? I don't know if you're talking about like the hacking. Um, uh, I don't know. You'll have to follow up on that one, uh, Matt. Um, the plow Nat has been ripping the contracts forever. I agree. Uh, and as much as I love the Plowhawk, um, this is something that goes back before the Plowhawk, I think, was even on the show. Uh, because we were talking about Jaime Garcia and that deal years and years ago. I think the Plowhawk was still at Western Illinois at that time. Um, let's see what else we got. Other than Colin Rendon, are there any other 2020 free agents that you would pay top dollar to get? Top dollar, I don't know about that. I think Castellanos is intriguing. I mean, I know he was playing outfield for the Cubs because he had Brian at third, but he did play third. I don't know what the situation is with him in third now, but... Uh, that to, me, that, to me, is one that makes sense. I love the idea of Rendon. I don't know if they would do it. I don't know if he would do it. But um, as I said a couple of times on the unofficial postgame show, I noticed that the Cardinals just seemed like he was friendly with a couple of uh, the guys when he was out there. And, I, I mean, it could be absolutely nothing. But I think he's an introvert. Uh, I don't think he's looking for Flash. Doesn't need New York City or L.A. Might prefer St. Louis. So who knows, you know? Um, but that's something that I, I certainly wonder about. Let's see what else we got going on here. Uh, fam, Piscotti, and Ozuna would have been sick. That's from Alan Lewis. Yeah, I mean, the fam deal is, is you know, we're talking about Mount Rushmore of bad deals. Brett Cecil, you know, that's uh, Matt Bungasak. Yeah, you're talking about the hacking. Yeah, um, certainly I can understand why people would uh, would wonder that. I'm not saying that that is the case, but, yeah, the, 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 uh, the questions are, or understandable considering you now have a few years of it. Um, I think that approach had passed bro. Who was the last team that went out without multiple stars? Um, I don't know if that was directed. It, uh, it, I don't know, I guess that was, who was the last team that went out without multiple stars? I'm not sure, I'm not, I don't understand the question. Um, let's see. Um, Helsley is setting up Hicks, if not closing. Postseason bright spot, Ryan Helsley. A few, that's from Brian Mode and then from Ryan Brummer. Postseason bright spot, Ryan Helsley. Think he is forever a reliever. They bring him into spring training and him stretched out. I think he's a reliever. Um, just because I think they're, they're, I assume Wainwright's back. Now, this is, of course, I'm operating off the premise that Adam Wainwright's back. So if Wainwright's back, you already know. You have Flaherty, Michaelis, Hudson, Wainwright, and then I would imagine there is somebody that they're ready to go with, um, whether it be Martinez, although I still think it's a healthy possibility he's gone this offseason, um, but whether it's Martinez um, or someone else that they go out and try to acquire, not of the Garrett Cole variety, um, I just think they're pretty much, I would imagine that he is in the bullpen. It was good to see the bullpen come together, minus Martinez in the postseason. Did Martinez wind up pitching tonight, by the way? Uh, I know that's something. I don't even have the box score up in front of me at this moment. I know I saw him getting loose, but I don't know if he got into the game. Uh, I was I was reading uh, books about fire trucks for, a, for an inning there uh, with my son. Uh, let's see... All right, guys, uh, JT Mizzou says Yankee fans going to lose it if the Yankees lose the series. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess that's kind of the nature of the beast in New York. I mean, I don't know how you can go up against the Astros and assume you're going to win. Um, I mean, and look at look at what you've gotten from your starters. I mean, Paxton and Severino are damn good starters, but they haven't been going deep into games so far. And then part of that is because you have a taxing lineup and you have taxing ballparks. So it's going to be tough. And, the, and now they have to beat Cole and Verlander, uh, Cole or Verlander, at least once. Uh, no, ended up no Carlos tonight. Okay, thank you. I was going to the box score, and I still hadn't gotten there. All right, let me see. Any other quick hits? Any quick hits? What do you got? What do you got? What do you got? What do you got? Uh, anything. I'll, I'll rattle them off. Fire away. We, hell, we can talk about tripping if you want. Every, every, it's a, it's a free-for-all. Free, it's quick hitters. 
It's like Tony Kornheiser or Michael Wilbaum. I'll get you out on this. You can get me out on this. All right, here we go. Joe Edward, uh, would you have an answer to the gauntlet you put Gould through this morning? If you had to guess, what do the Cardinals do with Ozuna? Ozuna gone, Carpenter here, Fowler gone. There's my guess. Uh, let's see. I'm going through the I'm going through the gauntlet. You want quick hitters? I'll do it. Is Reyes done before it even started? No one is talking about him anymore. Put that arm in the pen. I would imagine they are not going to give up on him. But I also would imagine at this point they are not going to even remotely count on him. Uh, Michaelis extension isn't great either, Tim. What do you think? I understood that one. I don't have a problem with that one. The Carpenter one, I don't know what that. I still don't know what that was about. Mazalak and I, I don't. I, I think it's unlikely at this point, unfortunately, that I am in Jupiter at least for as long as I've been the last couple of years, hoping that that changes. But who knows. Um, but either way, it's spring training. We'll have these conversations, and I get a chance to talk with him. And if he says, I don't want you to talk about it on your show, on your podcast, I'll respect that. But oftentimes, I'm asking these questions. I'm like, God, I guess he's probably not going to want to say anything. And he goes, well, let me explain this to you, because clearly, you know, you think this, but, you know, you have this captive audience, and I want you to be informed as to why, you know. And then he starts explaining, like, things that I had never even been aware of and whatever. So I would love to have that moment in his office in Jupiter or wherever at spring training and go, what was the deal with the Carpenter extension? And, and, and I think he'd actually give me an honest answer. And I think, by the way, um, I would be able to relay it to all of you because for the life of me, I have no idea what that was about. I'm dead serious. Like we can sit here now and go, oh, the Brett Cecil deal. I get what they were doing. It was the analysis of Brett Cecil's abilities that was the problem, but I get wanting to lock down that spot with a left-handed reliever. What was the point of the Matt Carpenter extension? I really don't know on that. That's like the kind of thing that you would do if you're like, oh my God, I'm going to get whacked if I don't do it. You know what I mean? I'm talking about not in the world of baseball, like I'm, I'm being threatened in my, my life and I'm going to do something that just does not stand to reason, but I got to do it. That kind of thing. Because I can't figure it out. I really can't. Um, Again, is that the reason they lost? No, but we're talking about looking ahead, and you go, oh, you got this dead money on the books. It's a problem. Uh, and I get the, the Fowler signing, even though I didn't like it in the moment. I didn't like the deal. Uh, not because I was anti-Dexter. I like Dexter. Dexter's a great guy. Uh, I feel like he's gotten a really raw deal with a segment of the Cardinal fan base. Um, but I didn't like the contract. And as I have said before, when I was when Jim Edmonds owned part of Inside STL, I was on the radio and the Cardinals did an extension with him after the 2006 World Championship, and I said, "Happy for Jim. Think it's a bad baseball move for the Cardinals, though." Um, so I'll tell you what I think, even though if it may put me in an awkward position. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, concert clips. Carp was already signed for next season. They don't need it all. I couldn't agree with more. I have no idea what that was about. Uh, all right, any other quick hitters? It's time to go because I gotta go to bed. That's that's the, really the main issue. Um, uh, let's see. All right, I'm gonna go back to the top where we were. All right. Uh, do you dip or no dip your French dip? I'm a no dip at Olive and Oak. See, these are the kind of questions that I like to wrap things up. Uh, I haven't had the French dip at Olive and Oak. Cowboy ribeye and the burger and the grilled octopus. Holy moly. And listen, as a South City and octopus, it's like, oh, it's the, you know, you might get rubbery calamari from Domino's or something like that. Uh, but my God, the grilled octopus at Olive and Oak, how do you do? But the burger is sick and the cowboy rib. But now I guess I got to try the French dip. Um, you, Iggy, and Jay live for golf majors would be kick ass. See, that's a kind of, Dan, Dan Burkemper, well done. That's the kind of stuff I want to do. Uh, you know, and it's not like I came up with this shit. I mean, look at Barstool, look at No Laying Up. It's, just, it's where the business is moving. It's just at this moment, it's kind of like when I left television in 2005. I'm like, oh, he had to have gotten fired. I'm like, no, it's obvious what's going on. It's dying. And I don't want to work weekends and nights when I make more money doing radio. So, you know, I'm out. Um, so you have to be always be looking for the next thing. So I started inside STL.com. So now you look at what the next thing is. And the next thing is this kind of stuff. Um, but you gotta have you gotta have the right personalities doing it, and it certainly isn't just me by myself in my basement. People like the Plowhawk, people like Iggy, people like Jennings, um, you know those kinds of person. And ideally, finding new personalities as well. I mean, uh, you know that's that's the name of the game. So yeah, man, I, I couldn't agree with you more. That's that's quite astute. Uh, Nikki Glazer, would you? Nikki Glazer on the Howard Stern show was an interview for the Age of Stern. By the way. 
God, I've been in such a good place with because uh, for like two months there was like one new interview, and I've just been. It was in Hollywood last week, so the, the interviews are kind of for the caliber of the guests. I think they were on a tight schedule that they were only going to go half hour, and I love his um, like ninety minute interviews. Probably why I do ninety minute interviews. But God, the Demi Moore one. I know he wanted to go deeper into that, uh, but he had Billy Eilish on, and uh, and that was an incredible interview. Um, Nikki Glazers, I was saying, holy shit. I wonder if she, when she was walking out of there, she was like, oh my God, I can't believe I talked about eating ass on Howard Stern. Um, and then who else? Jennifer Aniston was on last week. Snoop Dogg, Seth Rogen, Green Day, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm just looking at all these. Um, that was a great one. Conan O'Brien had Letterman on last week. That was a great podcast. I'm just doing podcast recommendations at this point. You asked me about Nikki Glaser, that's what comes to mind. Um, Kevin Miller, does my khaki boyfriend really love me or does he just say that to get his hands down my pants? I think he loves you. And I think it's a beautiful thing for you two to get together uh, despite your multiple uh, grown children. Uh, Jeff Harris, not that they would on either, but would you rather have them sign Garrett Cole or Anthony Rendon? Anthony Rendon is my answer. Um, let's see. Carpenter has three years left through 2022. If I'm not mistaken, one's a vesting that the Cardinals would have to buy out on, but yes, 20 and 21. Um, what coach takes the bullet and gets fired, hitting coach or bench coach? Well, they, they, were, they were firing hitting coaches in September. So this is obviously their chosen guy. I don't know if there'll be any firings. Um but, God, they got to tend to this. That was really rough. What do I think Bryce Harper is doing right now? It's a good question, Joe Sheramatero. Um, it's got to be pretty tilting for him. Um, Carpenter was to be the bridge to Gorman at third base. I guess so. I just totally disagree with it. I mean, I, I've heard that you know theory discussed before. I just totally disagree with it. Uh, Ryan Binkley, baffled the lack of change and hitting approach throughout this entire series continually chasing balls in the dirt, striking out, swinging at bad pitches, never change from game one to four. Uh, yes, I would agree with that, minus Jose Martinez, t uh, Tommy Edmond. Um, Ozuna had a couple hits last night. Tonight he had just the, one of the most hideous at-bats in a key situation, momentum killer with that strikeout, swing at balls in the dirt. Uh, let's see, what color was the felt suit that Doug's like? Gold piping, asking for my costume designer. Very nice, Joe Edward. It did have gold piping. It was that Bunny Ranch uh, robe. Uh, all right, I think that's going to do it. I'd love to, I'd love to answer one that's just like, a, a, like the grand finale of questions, but answering when will we see, see Dylan Carlson doesn't seem like my George Carlin seven dirty words moment to, to provide for you. Um, so, uh, I, I guess I'll just end on whatever the hell it was that I was babbling about. Oh, the gold piping from the Bunny Ranch. Rest in peace, Dennis Hoff. Uh, Harper is fishing slash on the golf course in Florida. Yes! Where I saw him. Uh, God, I hope I'm back there. And you want to, let me tell you something. By the way, now we're going to do a full circle. If I'm down there, I, I don't know if I, I guess I probably can't hire somebody and then move them down there for like the three months that I'd be down there. But I'm down there, I would hire a photographer, like a freelance photographer, and then do all of this stuff with golfers and, you know, I mean, you have the Cardinals, the Nationals, the Astros, uh, the Marlins, if there's anybody on there. The Mets are a little bit to the north. Um, there's just all of this potential content there. I'm supposed to, if I go down there, play in the Cardinal Fantasy Camp. There's so much we can do that. There's so much to do. Um... So I want to do it, but I just I just don't know how things are going to play out here over the next month or two. So it is my anticipation, and I've told my wife that we probably will not be down there. But if we were to, I would want to do so much more. Like McLaughlin and I did the show from down there last year, and we hired a guy to to help us with setting it up. But I would want somebody kind of essentially who is who is a, you know knows that he's working five six days a week with us on this stuff. Um, what else? Uh, where is Courtney going? Is that in reference to Courtney Bryant of KMOV, guest of the podcast? Uh, yeah, there's another one. Back-to-back -back Courtney Bryant tweets. What are the chances? Tim, you called it on with Courtney Bryant leaving KMOV, future star. Yeah, I, but at the same time, um, I don't necessarily think uh, that was any wizard-like call. Um, like me being on the Washington Nationals in September, I think, is a little more wizardly than... If you do what I did in television, um, it's one of the. I remember when we were at school in Missouri, the journalism school, 
And I remember we would be putting together these 10, 15-minute resume tapes. They were VHS tapes at that time. Uh, now they're you obviously just send links, you know, YouTube or your agent has something that they send a private link to a, a station or whatever. And I remember you work all this time on all these 10, 15 minutes of clips, anchoring, reporting, stories you did. And I remember being told, in reality though, the people who are hiring you will look at maybe five seconds of it and then pop it out and put in a pile. I know I'm going to hire him or her or consider hiring him or her. And I know immediately I'm not. And I'm like, how can that be possible? And now that I've been around this stuff, I guess now for 20 years, which is kind of fucked up to think, you recognize it when you see it. And I have not seen anybody in this business in St. Louis, uh, of course, with me being the exception, uh, with the kind of talent Courtney Bryant has. And I know people, of course, would want to comment on her appearance, and that's you know fine and, and everything, but that's not what I'm talking about here. She's a beautiful woman, but she's incredibly intelligent and her delivery is is i mean I, I realize network news now is not what it was when i was at the the journalism school she went to pepperdine um but she has an ability and the thing that i liked when she was on the podcast and we didn't know each other when she was when she came in there and she's like why do you even you know there's no way we can talk for an hour and then we want to talk for like an hour and 20 minutes that she wants to uh, not just go, okay, I'm going to go make a few million working at Take Your Pick or whatever cable news outlet. I think she really is committed to um, doing something substantial with her talent as opposed to just what she certainly could do, which is just read off a prompter somewhere and make a large amount of money in L.A. or New York. So, um, you know, not surprised. I mean, listen, her contract was up at the end of the year. You, you, if, you, you know, if you're... You know, there was no way. And it's nothing It's nothing against KMOV. Hell, I was at KMOV. My brother's still at KMOV in sales. It's just, she's, she's, she's incredibly talented. Um, and I know, what, I know what most of you watching probably want to talk about with regard, but that's not what I'm talking. I'm talking about her ability. Um, let's see. I believe the article in the Post-Dispatch said um, she is going to go to Atlanta. Uh, let's see. Uh, anything else? Um, you and your moneyed friends helping to get the Chargers to St. Louis. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I that 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 thing is. Um, I don't know. I I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Here's the issue on that. God, if I get into this, now I'll go. I won't go to bed tonight. Uh, the issue on that is. The NFL doesn't own the San Diego, Los Angeles, wherever they might wind up being Chargers. Dean Spanos does. So it's not like the NFL can go, oh, we don't want to go through discovery, so we're going to give St. Louis a franchise. We have to have an understanding of that. Um, so that's really the biggest issue. And then there has to be somebody who wants to buy them, and then there has to be a venue in there to play. Now, I can see answers to those questions, then getting, getting the Chargers to St. Louis, or what was the Chargers to St. Louis. Um, I can, um, and it's not something that I'm just going, oh, that's, I, I mean, hell, my first Facebook Live actually was be, because of the Charger story when Benjamin Albright was on TMA, um, but I talked to people who I certainly would consider to be in the know, multiple people, and they're just like, yeah, at least at this moment, it's not happening, and then I'll throw out all these, well, what about this, and then this, and then it can be two birds, one stone, and then this, and this, and like, yeah, I don't know. So maybe they they know and they're just not saying anything, which I would respect. That's part of the game. And it's not like I'm doing a full-fledged, you know, 60 minutes investigation into this. But, um, you know, I do think there are some circumstances that at the very least make me wonder. Do I think it's likely? I wouldn't say that, but it at least makes me wonder. Uh, let's see. Last longer bet. Who you got, Loop Trolley or Carpenter on the Cardinals? A five-star lock on Carpenter on the Cardinals. Uh, let's see, get into the weeds on this one. That comes from the great Neil Allen, Craig Paquette, fan page moderator extraordinaire, and what a wonderful job he's doing. Um, I can't, it's 11.15. I can't believe I went to 11.15. I'm like, I saw the game and I'm like, sweet, I'll be done by 10.30 and here I am down in my basement and I'll be up in five and a half hours. So I'll feel miserable tomorrow. So I'm gonna wrap it up. I'm gonna wrap it up. I was hoping that I get some like good creepy question that I could get into, but uh, let's see. Uh, I'm not thrilled about your backsplash. However, I love the daisies. Thank you. I picked out the daisies myself. It's a goal of uh, witnessing a daisy chain. So for all of you who have sat through this, and there's still a bunch of people watching, which is kind of a phenomenon considering 
Uh, there really wasn't that much to talk about um, with regard to uh, this game tonight. I've enjoyed this. I hope it's not the last one that we uh, will do. Um, who knows? I don't know. Like I said, it was kind of a spur-of-the-moment thing when Game 1 of the NLDS got tight. And I'm like, yeah, why wouldn't I just go downstairs and do a show? And then it turned into this. So um, I'm very grateful to all of you for watching, for participating. I enjoy it. We really didn't have much strategy to debate at all over the last four games, minus Adam Wainwright staying in way too long on Saturday in Game 2. Um, and Patrick Donnelly, I keep thanking him, but he deserves it because he was so kind to come over here and set all this up. And uh, and, I, and he keeps telling me, let's crawl before, or let's, uh, let's crawl before we walk because there's so much more we can do. But since it's my, you know, idiotic ass down in my basement by myself, if we made it too complex, I'd screw it up. So I, I hit start streaming and then I hit stop streaming. And that's as much as I do. But... Um, I love doing it. Hopefully we will continue to do it, grow it, and uh, and we shall see. But I've enjoyed talking. I mean, in, in what's, a, what's a stunning development is here I am on all these different platforms. And uh, and it really, for the most part, was uh, civil. So that was, that was a pleasant surprise. Um, so I've enjoyed it. Thank you so much for watching. When it gets down to it, if somebody would have told you at the beginning of the year the Blues will win the Stanley Cup and the Cardinals will get to the NLCS, I think we all would have taken it. And Missouri will be in the SEC East lead midway through October, even though they will have lost to Wyoming, I think, at that point. I think that thing would probably be the most surprising of the whole damn thing. Um, you know, I think we'd take it the way they played. Brutal, but ideally it leads to substantial offensive upgrades for 2020. That's at least what I'm going to tell myself as I go to bed this evening. Thank you for watching. Thank you for participating. This closes out the unofficial post-game show for the 2019 season.